this is a podcast about time. The time it takes to become an artisan. Heritage. Saving to buy something you'll keep forever. Sustainability. Memories attached to clothing that you've loved and lived in. And the longevity of friendship. To us, the true definition of luxury. I'm Lynn Coleman. Join me and my friend Jill Brown as we chat about what makes luxury so special. Okay, and now we've got some giant glass double doors yeah. with what looks like a, a cross between a, a hoof and a, a, and a coffee bean. Yeah, or someone's lungs, I sometimes lungs, say. Lungs, yes. <laughs> That's the beauty of it. I keep saying that when people say, when's your whiskey coming out? I say, well, we've got 527 years or something like that since we're catching up with, so just wait a wee bit longer and we'll get there. That's fine. Yeah, it'll take, it takes as long as it takes. So yeah, these are through to, when you're going through here, you're going into the distillery proper. So they're actually, you know, they look nice, but they are two ton sort of blast because in theory, you know, you always have to remember that, uh, you know, alcohol is explosive and all that kind of stuff. So like, one of the things I especially like is, is because, you know, because it's been used so much now, even though we've only been open for a few years, it's beginning to get that patina, but you know, like Grey Friars Bobby or something like that. So. <laughs> We'll keep doing that. It's quite nice, but I said, do weigh a ton. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you suddenly, yeah, you suddenly realise you're in the dis- When we're full and running, especially in the summer, it's, it's really hot, but this time of year, because you'll see when we're up there with these huge glass windows, so they're either magnifying the heat or making it freezing cold. And the smell, it's like. Jill, how would we describe the smell? Boozy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of yeasty. Yeah, well, it is. Horlicks, I come mm-hmm. to think, because in a way it is, that's exactly what it is. When I first moved to Edinburgh, there we still had the breweries, we still had the big tenants brewery oh, in yeah. Ridge. Yeah. So this smell actually reminds me of being in Halsarest. It was a nice smell, actually. got used I to it. I liked it, yeah. You got used to it. But if people visited, they thought it was disgusting. Yeah. But I think you're right. But it's a hot smell, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. I associate it with heat. Yeah, very much like. Well, Newbury used to, it, no longer, but it's, Newbury has a funny history. It you know, grew up around the Abbey from you know, the twenties all the way through to the sixties. There was a huge lino factory, massive, and if you see old pictures of it, you cannot get over how big it was. And fair, it's not a fabric, but it's quite interesting. You see these black and white pictures of the patterns and all sorts of stuff. It burnt down roughly the same time that lino was unfashionable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> It's a shame though because it took took all the employment away and that so Newbury was really sort of in the doldrums but I but I remember as a kid it, the whole town smelled of lino which wasn't quite as nice it wasn't this it, it, it's very you know smells are very evocative and if I went to a place that smelled of lino I'm sure it would bring back those memories but I kind of prefer the this smell now do you know that um, in I think it was about 2006. I went to New York and was in the museum, uh, the, the, the old tenement museum, if you guys ever heard of this, so there's a, there's a, it's basically an old tenement museum oh. on the Lower East Side um, and you get to go in and see what it would have looked like in 1920 yeah. oh, or whatever, wow. really cool and they had pulled up the flooring and the lino was from Fife. You're kidding. Wow. So it's exactly where yeah. we are and I remember right. standing there like, oh my goodness, oh, home, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. and they'd, they'd kept it. Uh-huh. And it came from here. Blimey. Wow. I'll have to, I, 
next well if we're back in New York I have to go there no you do everybody has to go it's, yeah. the, it, it's honestly brilliant it's really oh, really well, brilliant no, and the, so apparently in New York uh, if you say the word tenement it has a really bad connotation okay, but yeah. obviously everywhere else around the world we love a tenement but they because it was part of the Lower East Side sure. and poverty and all that kind yeah. of stuff and I'm like oh, what I wouldn't give this bit behind us is almost of all the bits we've done I suppose this for me is, is the is the most important bit, weirdly enough, even though it's just a cupboard with a drawing on it. So but because the monastery got ransacked, there's nothing, there's virtually, there's no images of what the abbey looked like or anything like that. Um, and we had a few artists' impressions which turned out to be way off. So what happened, before we could do the dig, or before we could do the build, we had to do some archaeological work, which I was a bit worried about. And it was in the fields behind the distillery over that way. And really what the council said is do, you know, seven trenches that way, seven trenches that way, just so we can see you're not building on a, a burial ground, which could have happened. And so we thought, okay, well, we've got to do what we've got to do. The very first trench, literally the very first trench, we found, and we had an archaeologist on site throughout, we found the top of a wall. And we started digging away, or she started digging away. And so we uncovered the top of a, a huge abbey wall. And then more walls. So what, what happened was, for the first time since the Abbey ceased to exist, we had the footprint of it. When you look out the window here, you can see an original arch yeah. of, you know, of, of a building. So that's the main access into the Abbey. So what that meant, so all the time we've been talking about, all, all our life, and certainly all the time I was talking about this project, was we're building a distillery opposite the Abbey. Because the assumption was, you know, we know there wasn't a tarmac road, the assumption was always there must have been a track there because there's a big barn wall over there. So that was the abbey, this was the agricultural bit, which is still nice. But with this footprint, we suddenly realised that we're actually slap bang in the abbey. And again, where, where we were fortunate is we had Rebecca, who was the archaeologist, really good, very knowledgeable, but not an expert in Tyrannensia monasteries. Fortunately, the world's leading expert in Tyrannensia monasteries is a professor along at St Andrews. No. Yeah. Oh. Cool. yeah genuinely. Professor Richard Forsett. I've had enough of this. <laughs> okay. So we, we got him, and he knew, he knew about Lindors. He's been here before. I mean, he's pretty ancient now. And we said, well, look, Richard, you, can you come along? And we had the illustrator. And he, the illustrator is the guy that does um, Alexander McCall Smith's books. You see in the Scotsman thing. So we kind of locked them almost physically, but not quite, in a room. So, right. What did it look so? It, so that's the best guesstimate, but a very educated one of what the abbey looked like. So to it's the, really quite big. Oh, it's much bigger than we thought. Much, much bigger um, than we ever thought. So to to have done that on on our watch is is a real kind of we're really sort of chuffed about that because we thought well we'll be long gone, but at least there's something that exists that shows. So very good. It's beautiful. And the last bit here, you're talking about water. So, where we are, we're about 20 miles along from Dundee on the other side of, of the Tay. So, the whole reason, you know, I was saying about 1191, etc., etc., but the whole reason the monastery even exists is the King of Scotland's brother, the Earl of Huntingdon, was, he was in the Crusades and he was lost, and he'd been lost for four or five years. And his, his brother said, Well, if he ever turns up on Scottish soil, if his boat ever turns up on Scottish soil, I'll build a monastery in his name. And what happened was his boat did. It turned out he'd been captured and he was a slave, all sorts of things. And he got across Europe. And if you ever read uh, the, the Talisman 
by Sir Walter Scott, the hero Sir Kenneth is based on the Isle of Huntington. So his boat washes up in Dundee, and so he is given the lands of Dundee, and we still have all those connections to Dundee now, but he was given the lands of Dundee and land to build a monastery. And this is a bit I find the most fascinating thing of how this shows how advanced the Tyrolensians were. So rather than just try to build a monastery at Dundee, they crossed the Tay, came all the way here, and what you needed to build a monastery is stone. So we had the quarry of Park Hill, which is about a mile that way. You had the forest of Black Ironside, so you had the stone, the forest of Black Ironside covered all of that. Um, and this is where William Wallace's last battle. So you had the wood and the stone. But equally importantly, you needed clear running water, and that came from Loch Mill, which is two miles up the road, roughly. And very importantly, it powered the mills. Mm-hmm. But also, crucially, you have the River Tay behind, which not only was saying about the, the salmon, but it was also their passage out. You know, that's how they got out to trade with Flanders and things like that, by just going out past things. So, it's a, it, you know, we'll never know what went through the minds this of these guys then. ancient terms of um, Phil and Christie's location, location, location. It is, exactly. That's, what I, they, that's how this started. Yeah, and if they hadn't done that, we wouldn't be here now. No. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You know, they, they must have said, well, what, you know, is there a school nearby? Is there a, <laughs> yeah. is there a weather spoons? What's the offset report? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this is the mill. So when we come into... So we've kind of gone from the history right into slap bag into the, the modern world. So the, this is, in a way, the beginning of it. So all the barley grows around here from our two neighbouring farms, which is, again, it's a big thing with whiskey at the moment. Everyone, well, not just whiskey, and food and drink, everyone wants provenance. Yes. Everyone wants small carbon footprint. So we're really lucky. And in clothing, too. Yeah, yeah. Ex- exactly. Everything needs to be sustainable. And so we're really lucky that all our barley comes from within half a mile. And this is where it comes to. It comes to the mill. And it gets the barley comes in, it gets crushed up and goes up there. So this is obviously a modern mill. There's a really sad little story. The reason that's purple, that that particular colour of purple, if you ever go to an old distillery, some of them, you see these beautiful old mills, they're that colour, and they still work for 100 years, and they're called Porteous Mills. The sad bit of the story is, because they work so well, the company went bust because they didn't have to replace them. And and it's, it's... that's so like they they, they really because we talk a lot about sort of cost per wear yeah and they really did give people cost per use and then they paid the final price for it that's devastating yeah exactly yeah so this is it this is the this is the spiritual home this is so it's nice isn't it and one of the night one of the nicest things for me personally so as say when granddad had it this was a dairy and the cattle would stay out in the field behind us and they're coming here to be milked and they'll stay in the shed behind. So all the different bits are still being used except to make whiskey rather than milk. Okay, listeners, are you ready? You're about to hear how excited Lynn gets when she sees an empty whiskey washback. That's kind of scary how big that is. Well, you know what? Most people, you go into a distillery and you only see that. And you, so you think they're about that deep and then you look in there and you think, wowzers. I have a little bit of vertigo and I never get vertigo so when you look down I'm yeah. kind of feeling like oh yeah no they're, they're, I think people get quite a fright and you'll maybe get a, if it's not it's really hypnotic this because oh. okay, there's a, so basically that, oh. <laughs> what is that <laughs> so that's the whole exercise, isn't it? 
So what you've got there is a beer. It does smell, it smells yeah. like you just changed the case. I'm so hungry and thirsty. Because we live here, I come, you know, most nights I've come across, because we've got a bar there as well. Um, and this is, I love it when it's like this. But if you stop doing that, if you stopped, that's just a natural thing. So what happens is... Oh, so there's no pump in there, that's just no, fizzing by no, itself. Yeah, because what happens is you get, the, the water meets the barley in the mash tub, and that breaks down the barley and you get sugars. So that then the liquid, you, you drain off the liquid, comes into here, and you chuck the yeast in. And genuinely, I've, I've got footage of it, if that fan wasn't going, if the switcher wasn't going around, that would be bubbling over. But that's like just, a, like an old just foaming over. Yeah. But the beauty of whiskey compared to lots of things is, all that's, the same as every distillery, this, you can only have water, barley, and yeast. You know, it's not all yeah. different botanicals, the only ingredients. So what's going on there is 100% natural. It's just a yeast going mad and so it's foaming like it be after about 100 odd hours the yeast has kind of done its job and then it's like a f then it turns into a flat so it's a flat beer you could drink it as you wouldn't really want to but it's so as a beer at this stage and so when we're running on all cylinders these are all going we're, we're quite quieter now because of the sort of downturn etc but sometimes all three of these would be going and then the beer goes to the stills where it becomes whiskey by magic but when these first arrived there's Oregon pine and anyway they were put in here and the first thing you do is fill them with water and all I could see is oh, tons of, all the water was just coming back out and I thought god this is crap this is not going to work very well and then the people that knew what they were doing were pointing out that it's the same with casks so the water the water is what has expanded the wood so these are the important one, they're all important, but there's the three copper stills, a dodo, poppy, and geez, that's my mum. Oh, <laughs> don't <all> cry! <laughs> and poppy and geez, Helen was offered the chance to have a still named after her, but she declined. So it's quite sweet that that's what they are. So is that your mother and your daughter? Yeah. So take us through, because we are absolute, we don't know anything, so talk us through the process. So you start off with your barley and your water. Yeah. You, you mix your barley in the water so it's almost genuinely like a sort of porridge if you like but then you filter off the liquid and the, the purpose of that is breaking down the enzymes of the barley so you end up with this sort of cloudy but it's water but it's full of full of these enzymes you then transport that to the washbacks and it would just sit there until you add the yeast and as soon as you add the yeast that starts act really activating and what the what it's doing what the froth is it's turning the sugars into alcohol so that's when you've turned this water and barley suddenly into beer so what you have there is thousands of liters of beer um, which is is genuine like a beer you wouldn't necessarily want to drink it but it's like a beer that the real difference and we, we could almost stop there and it'd be a brewery and change it so it'd have a beer but obviously we're a whiskey distillery not a brewery so the next stage is bringing that liquid that's then alcohol rather than full of sugars into the wash still so this is where we bring it into the wash still and really what you're doing there is bringing it very close to the boil and the whole point of that is that alcohol boils quicker than water so really what happens is the alcohol will go into steam it gets to the top and then obviously as you can imagine trickles down so it goes all the way up that thing down what's called the line arm and then it cools as it comes down there so that's the beginning of your whiskey 
what's left in there is just water and yeast and bits and what what happens to that is it's called pot ales and we ship it off and it gets used for cattle feed and actually the the draft the, the the mash tun that i was talking about with the water and the barley you're obviously left with lots of barley grains there that's also used for cattle feed where ours go is to the same farm that the barley comes from so it's a really we're really into the sort of circular economy here so everything go kind of goes back round and so the pot ales go to a different farm so we have the spirit come off you know it's come off dodo if you like down the line arm it's cooled and then it goes to the two spirit stills where it's heated again and what their job is to heat it until it reaches a certain alcohol level and then the clear and this is where you, you know you've heard the saying calling the shots yes that comes from distilleries so what the distillery manager's job is to look into these things called spirit safes there's one small one here and he can judge when the spirit is running crystal clear and the real skill is not everything that comes off the still is ideal so that you don't want the first what's called the four shots you don't want that because it's too harsh what you want is the the heart the heart of the cut so you let it run you take the best out of it and the and the rest also is not best because that's like the not the dregs but it's the bottom stuff but being scottish none of it gets wasted that goes sort of into a container is used for the next run so really what happens then you've turned your beer into a spirit to a, to a, a 63% a strong clear <laughs> spirit which is called new make spirit 63% yeah. I have never heard alcohol no, it, ever be described yeah as that. it can be wow it can be sort of, well weirdly well I say weirdly luckily enough so that's called your new make spirit so what I showed you in the bottle yes. that clear is um is that's the DNA of a distillery in a sense because that is what will be put into cast and evolve into whiskey we were very pleased a few months back that our spirit was voted best new make in Scotland which is great because a, a really big part of, of my thought for here is it's fantastic all the history is, is great I mean we wouldn't be here without all the history but if, if we only had history this wouldn't be so we it's just, a museum yeah, it's not we could, a it'd be like Loch Ness thing. you know buy a bottle of Loch Ness monster whiskey it's a business and what we need what we want to do is very much have a a proper grown-up whiskey which we will have you know it's, it's got all the right it's got all the right signs to it because that way people will like it and they'll come back you know for a whiskey distillery that's crucial you want people to sort of buy it buy into the story but equally importantly arguably more importantly is buying into the whiskey and, uh, and getting it into people's hands yeah well exa exactly you know because there's no point in saying we've got fantastic whiskey but no one can find it so a lot of our time at the moment is moving on to talking to distributors and things luckily because of the history and maybe because of 20 years of boring people to death about it i think they're beginning to surrender and say okay we'll take your whiskey jill come and see come and see because you, you, we've got an abbey ruin with gorgeous um foliage kind of circling up the old stone then you get the view all the way out to the water. I mean, there's there's not much wrong with this view, is there? Uh, not at all. Monks knew what they were doing. Yeah, they certainly did. Well, the Tay came up closer in those days, but you can see Dundee's just just behind the steading there. You're looking over towards Dundee. There's obviously the monastery there. That's where the Forest of Black Ernside is. It's also can you see the bear on the hill up there, carved into oh, the yeah. hill? Oh yes. That's about sixty years old. It's not it's not hundreds of years old. It's my mum and 
some other people ploughed it into the they used to they used to put on plays in the ruins like pageants and some no one knows who my mom's not here anymore but someone no one knows who whose idea it was but anyway someone did and it was just put in sand or something like that and then people loved it so much they thought christ let's carve it you know plough it in so it now gets ploughed in every year and then when we were setting all this up talking all these very good design companies and what have you and they came up with all these ideas and I kept saying but we've got a great big got that on the hill why don't we just use that so eventually they surrendered and that is our logo so we have that that has to be your logo and that's the point isn't it it's about being organic with the story and and what you're about and and that's your wee mammy's work up there well exactly I had no idea we were so close to the tea and it's it's at the end of the the grounds essentially isn't it yeah well, as I say, it did. It used to come closer, and the quarry that I was talking about is kind of along that way. And there was a canal. I mean, we're talking several hundred, several centuries ago, because that's how they brought the stone along. And so here, where we're sitting, where the monastery is built, is on about eighty feet of clay, and it turns out it was on a almost like an island. So the Tay was there, and all this was was boggy, Bog. boggy marshland and things like that. Where you see the green sort of tarpaulin so we had to put in a suds pond which is that pond there which is nothing it's quite nice having it but it's actually a building thing if you're building thing you have to have a place for the water to go to so that's what we did when we were thinking where to put it I said there and so Rebecca and the team the archaeologists they all moved in and started digging and then Rebecca came out very excited and it looked as what we what she had found was a well so there's a, a ring of stones it's full of water and we, we you know we were all gathered around I thought Christ we found a medieval well that's fantastic and then she started emptying it and it's a clay bowl which is actually in one of these pictures and what she believes it and obviously what we believe it to be because the clay lime bowl which we've had um, scientific examination it's got carbon and it's got barley it's the base of a still so to find a base of a still at Lindor's is like that's like the grail Jackpot. yeah the reason it's sitting under tarpaulin is because because i've gone on about it's, pre- it's a bit like the bear if you like so it's all about preserving the history so at the moment all we've done it was fine underground for 500 years so oh, me, me preserving it is digging it up and exposing it to the elements so it's sitting there at the moment and it's a project maybe for next year to try and genuinely preserve it that's amazing. so yeah i mean it's as i say it's that we've been lucky you know, talk about your production cycle and everything going full circle. Yeah. You can see that from your new still. Yeah, well, you, you can in a sense, can't you? Because that, that would have been the kiln underneath Absolutely. it. Absolutely, the window looks right yeah. onto that. Where you have barley, you have mice. And so it's quite a tradition for distilleries to have cats. And there's a very famous one at Glen Turret. The first famous one was called Towser at Glen Turret. And apparently he had killed... Italian, I don't know, 9,000 <gasps> mice or something like that. It was pretty, pretty he's gruesome. He's like the Napoleon of... Yeah, he, was, he was the master. I think he's still probably the champion. So we thought, you know, because we used to have a pet cat and so it sadly had died. We thought, well, let's get a, a mouse or two. We're going to get one. And then Helen went away and came back with two. And the two lovely kittens, and you know, all kittens are lovely, and one was black and one was stripy. And we thought, why don't we have a competition to name them? But it's got to be to do with the Abbey or something like that. And all our little first Facebook things and Twitter, you'd get 10 people going, yeah, that's great. Of course, as soon as you have a picture of two kittens, it went it's nuts. It's over, yeah. And um, 
what they ended up being. So the black, the boy cat is called Friar John Claw. <laughs> and, and he's, to be fair, he's the one that's normally hanging around. I mean, he's, he's, he's been a great... They kill the old mouse outside and then bring it into the house. They're bloody useless over here. <laughs> but Vespa, so his sister is called Vespa, again, from the chapel. So they both got these nice She's names. the lady of the She's manor. She's the lady of the manor who actually does all the work and kills the mice. The legacy bar is called the legacy bar because at very first it was my one bit of thinking, oh, you know, this will be my legacy. And then I thought, oh, God, you, know, you can't really say that. So you see the plaques, the, see the, uh, the shelf at the back? There's lots of people's names on it. So we have a membership thing called the Preservation Society. You get all sorts of things, but one of the things you get is your plaque up there. So it's, so it's kind of their legacy as well. So it's quite a nice way of sharing it. And we have events and all the members come in here. But it's, it is a, it's a lovely place to have. The camera at the top of that, see the, the top of that pole just there, right? The telegraph pole. Yes, yeah, yes. That's a live camera. Well, it was a live camera. We put it in for the build. But it used to be, it genuinely used to be more into here. And this wasn't quite finished, but it's, it's, it was a bar. And Helen and I were sitting pretty much where we are, having a, a drink after a busy day. And I thought, God, this is the life. And Helen's mobile went, and it was a mum who lives down in, down in England. And she's probably the only, no one looked at the live cam apart from her. And this is just true. So Helen ignored the phone first. <gasps> eventually, no. she thought, oh, gosh, I'll pick it up. And it was her mum saying, so you haven't, you know, I can see you. I can see, <laughs> I can see your phone I saw flashing you. yeah. daily in my call. Yeah, it really was. So when the battery ran out, I thought, well, let's just leave that so we can come in here. <laughs> so we can come in here and it's peaceful. But no, it's, it's a lovely bit. So explain to us about the whiskey coming of age. Like, we know that that, that you called the shot and yeah. the spirit goes up. So what is... So what is the next set of rules? Yeah, you've, you call the shot, so you have your new make spirit, goes into a cask, and the, the cask, if anyone ever says to you what's the most important aspect, you know what's going to make a good whiskey or a bad whiskey, it's the cask. So, so whiskey goes into oak casks, most of it into casks that once had bourbon in them. So the spirit goes in crystal clear. It legally has to stay in that cask for three years and a day, the days to take care of leap years, to become whiskey, you, you, we could sell it. We could sell the cask, but it would still be called New Mate Whiskey. And so, what the cask does is give it all the flavour from the wood, and it also gives the colour, so it turns into whiskey. So we have bourbon casks, sherry casks, a variety of casks. So when you buy a bottle of single malt whiskey, be it Lindor's, Glenmorangie, whatever, because again, I'm learning as I go. I would have thought. That means all that single malt whiskey has come from that one cask. That's not the case. So it's a mixture. So we'll take from our bourbon casks and our sherry casks. We blend that together. I did not know that. Yeah, you see, that's what most most people see. A blend is a blend of single malts and loads of different blended whiskies. A single malt, they've all got to be single malt. They've all got to be from Lindor's, but they can be from different casks. Mm -hmm. So that's when you hear about a blender's skill so the blender's got to say well look the best Lindor's whiskey is we take 50% bourbon 25% sherry this that and the other so where their skill and I suppose this I always hark back to when I was a chef the, the real skill of a chef is your dinner on a Thursday has got to be as good as your dinner on a Saturday you know it's got to be it's consistency so the Lindor's 
single malt when it comes out will become from this mixture of casks that have been selected from our warehouse all over three years in a day and you have someone that really is an expert that can marry that together one of the nicest stories that's happened with us is we've got Gary Haggart who's who's the distillery manager very experienced he's the guy that's producing this fantastic spirit but you need someone that has that other skill which is a blending so there's a lovely lady she's from Chile and she moved to Newborough a few years back with her husband both from Chile and he works in the forestry commission so they kind of moved him more for his job than hers and she was obviously looking for a job and so we took her on in in the kitchen as a as a as a cook didn't really know at the time also that Lorena had a, a degree in food science from Santiago Lorena is now our blender and we're all involved, we have a sort of team of us who are involved in the tasting, so we're narrowing it down to our first whiskey, so it'll be a collaboration, but it's Lorena that's leading that. And That's a, to, that's a big responsibility oh, it is. on someone's oh, absolutely. shoulders, isn't it? It really is, because we'll be judged. Like I said before, you know, it's great with all the history, but people, when, when you do whiskey blind tastings that is exactly that so no one will know it's from Lindor's it could be from you name it the story doesn't matter exactly so the spirit has to stand for itself I know you know I didn't sort of pick up on these things that's like what if someone calls your child ugly that's it (laughs) because I've never done this before when I was first taking people into the warehouse and say oh Gary come and hit meet so and so give them a taste of the, the new make and I could feel Gary be expected for those very because I would be I'm sure it's good but for him it's his lifeblood you know he's created this spirit and you know it was a huge thing for for all of us but especially for Gary I think it's a kind of a tick in the box the fact that it has been recognised because we would sit here all day say oh it's great it takes someone else to say it's great for you to kind of believe that so when we won that award it really was wow so our DNA has got the kind of gold tick then it goes into the cast for three years so that's where it's sitting now 20th of December it means the very first whiskies we did are now legal so for any distillery that's like a wow you know we're, we're now a grown up whiskey you know, we can, we're now a kind of whiskey distillery rather than a pretend one in a sense so yeah it'll be, it'll be a big a big day can I taste some? We copied the monks as much as we could. So what? That smells. So we make gorgeous. it. You know, artisanal is, is a kind of overused. It's a kind of overused expression, slightly artisanal now. But but this is. You're in talking the sense, to a, a woman who works in tartan. Yes, I. Uh, I, 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 I yes, there everybody does overuse uh, it. You're right. Everything is artisanal, and um, but we do. So the the new make spirit is the same that would be whiskey. So that goes into a great big container. And then, the, so, as I say, it's stuff from the ruins. So, um, Sticky Willy, Clavers, that's one genuinely. <laughs> really? Yeah. And Sweet Sicily. And they, they're all things we tried. Because not all, it wasn't a case of saying, well, let's just get everything that grows in the ruins. Because the main thing that grows around here is wild garlic. But you wouldn't like it in a drink. So that's got, yeah, Clavers. It's got Sweet Sicily, which is slightly aniseedy. Do that. So we went out picking the Sweet Sicily. And then, about a month later, two weeks later went back and there's no sweet sicily so sweet mm. sicily only grows for about a month where we have the advantage of the monks so in those days aquavita would have been different every day and it would have been fire water without a shadow of doubt what we have the luxury of is vacuum packing so we can <laughs> pick all the sweet sicily and 
not very monkish, but we can <laughs> vacuum pack it. How do you know? They might have been... Well, they could have been. They were very enterprising people, you told they were, us. They were ahead of their time. <laughs> do you know, this, this smells really, really warm. I'm just thinking about the monks just now. And you're right, it would have been freezing. This is their central yeah. heating in a glass, yeah. isn't it? There's a kind of heat. Smell that. It is. It's kind of wind. Well, that's why it's worked out so nicely. So it can either be very wintry with a sort of cinnamon. And mm. you can imagine we do, you know, on the website, there's all different cocktails. What we hadn't really sussed out is, I was on about the orange and the ginger ale. That, that's the one that ended up being our gin and tonic, if you like. Okay. Right, I'm, go- uh, I'm going to go in for a taste. I'm scared. This feels like the time I went for dinner with Diageo. <laughs> it's 40% rum, actually. That is amazing. Uh, do you know what? I am buying a bottle of this. 